this goes out. Morning. So we have two interesting inyanim just from last week's shear, which I'd like to go over, and then we will start Dvera, which is even more unusual than Eir Ben Geira. So the first was from Reb Mordechai Ross, who is one of our regular contributors. And he told me something very interesting. We were talking about the inyanam of standing and sitting for Kaddish Gedusha and the chilip between Svardim and Ashkenazim. Even though the Dakimesha himself brings them on real, that whenever he was standing, he would stay standing. And if he was sitting, Labdafka would he stand for Kaddish. Kaddushi standing anyway because Chazar Sashatz. The Shail is, if it was a Kaddish that he wasn't standing anyway, would he remain standing? And Lamaisa, the Maril, didn't Dafka stand up. The Maskana documentation of Ramah is that we do. The Minig of Ashkenazim is that we do. And the uh, Minig of Svardim is they don't necessarily uh, stand up. They don't consider it Baltasif. So he said that he was uh, by Mincha in Bnei Brach by Rab Chaim davening and he noticed he couldn't help but notice Rab Chaim stood up for Kaddish it's not a story that happened 50 years ago standing up is not so easy by Kaddish and by Baruch of Avolotzian twice that's already a Chiddush Agabi Chiddush he stood up he sat down I don't even understand why would you stand. Valtzian, uh, no, Valtzian, no, no, Valtzian by by Ashe Valtzian by Milcha. He stood up twice. Why stand up twice? What we're saying in between is the Taich in Aramis, so the Amratzim Kabiyetsi Talmatera and understand the Chashivas of what it is. We still say it today, uh, and even if you know what the Taich is, and he stood up, sat down, and stood up again. Bolazim. Papella. But it happened uh, quite recently, so he asked me if I was going to comment on the standing up for Bolazim and the various Menahagim. I actually not planned on talking about it because it was just no gear to the Rife Meglin. What? No, no, it's just, uh, just for the cut, but sat down in between. That's the Pella. We sat down. <laughs> Sat in between, even though it's just, it's just a tight. So I didn't plan on mentioning it, but once he sent the email, I figured I'd give honorable mention to uh, such a concept. The Berlocha says, Kemat uh, Beferish, that one does not have to stand for it at all. But he had said that was the Minig in his house from the Chaznish. And in Ochazyesher and Sefer, Hitaka brings down that that was the Minig of the Chaznish. And to stand up. So, if you see somebody doing it, they either were Makur of the Chaznish or Trab Chaim or have been listening to the Shia. I'm not advocating that if it's not your meaning, you do it, but 
fascinating and nonetheless uh, that's not done even he does not do it by Birchus uh, Kriyashima so I thought that was a fascinating marmokam what I'm not really sure why Dafka he stands up twice maybe to the many was to accentuate that each one is a Dabash of Gedusha and if you remain standing it's not a Raya and you could not get the impression or the do covered for for Baruch so Maybe that's why Dafka made a point of standing up twice. I thought that was interesting. The second is a late night Shaila that uh, you had sent me from, um, what was it? I think you, you first sent it at a quarter to 12 as you were listening to last week's Shia to catch up to come this morning, which is uh, the best time to catch up is uh, before, especially you wouldn't have even followed the whole thing with the standing up had you not. Uh, so that, that, this Shaila is from you and not from your son. Right, this one was the uh, Shemitah, Meshamatani. So, I was attempting. These are Inyane Kabbalah, and it's hard to know uh, why certain Schar goes in certain places. But Chazal tell us the very, very historical ones, if you call it, that played a big role. And we're trying to figure out. Um, we contrasted Egmel Chabashin, but you have a poet that says, well, he's ostensibly trying to save Light, he's really trying to kill Abmavinu, which is the Pelawai Gatzcha in the first place. Lamaisa, Abmavinu went to Muhammad, saved Light. That's already a Chiddush as well. Why do you get some Aschar? Was Light's uh, progress in his Ruchni is worthy of saving? The answer is for himself, maybe not. For the Shtei Predis, absolutely yes. So, I get Aschar for that. And the Sahar is tremendous uh, longevity and power and dominion and he's a king and he's a giant and he's, he's a lot of power and money until he's killed by Meshur Abenu. But the Sahar was the Gashmias. And most of the time we have the Sahar as the Gashmias. The second example we gave, which was your, your question, Nebuchadnezzar walked a few steps to get back the letter because he was just a... Uh, Humble, he was never very humble, but he was a scribe and he was writing it and told to write it and start delivering it and um, somebody else actually had taken deliver it and he starts running after him a few steps and he was stopped not to walk too many steps because he's going to get the schar for a stranglehold on the world being the emperor for for Darius, including himself, for the schar, the four steps he took. And the argument he had was, you're sending a letter to Chizkiyahu HaMelech, and you're so amazed at the nace that happened uh, for him. Uh, the son started going back, and he woke up late. If you remember, we had this in the shir, and uh, he was amazed. Who did this? And they said it was uh, the Jewish king, and the Jewish god. And he sent a letter of greetings and salutations, and he worded it that the Shalom Aleichem is to Chizkiyahu first, and then to the god of Chizkiyo, and as Nebuchadnezzar is writing it afterwards, he realizes that something's not right over here. He says, you give to the king, the earthly king, and then to, and to Hashem. So he made effort to get it back, and those four steps got him four deris. So again, a gashmi is dik schar. Eglon, from last week, made the uh, tremendous effort to stand up, which weighing... 800 pounds is no easy feat. And he did so at hearing the message that Dvar Hashem is 
coming to you was sent by me and I have something to tell you in the name of Hashem and he stood up. And there he gets a that he zeched to have the Malucha within Klai Yisrael, but the Malucha doesn't represent, he had Malucha anyway, that wasn't schar for him, the fact that the Malucha was David HaMelech HaShlom HaMelech, that already uh, through Rus, and he got the schus uh, of coming into Klai Yisrael. So you wanted to know why is Nebuchadnezzar different that I touched you that that was the Gashmiya result, Chari did the same thing, is Mechabit Hashem Hashem. A very good question. The answer, I believe, is that Nebuchadnezzar was looking at this. You know, we Americans don't really identify with rank and with royalty and the different levels of respect and hierarchies and things like that. Matter of fact, we used to not understand royalty. Now, very recently, we don't even understand rank. We don't even understand it's becoming a design, anybody wearing anything on their shoulder. It's getting worse and worse, not better and better, in terms of identifying every muscle from the Dibna Magid uh, around Yam Naram and the rest of the year starts with the king and the thing is that we're, we're lost already. So, with that disclaimer, you have to understand Bukhanetzer is in a royal court and a very powerful one. He's working for the emperor of the world at that time. And he writes the letter, and then he says, well, if we're respecting power, and you're writing a letter to Chizkiah Melech because he's apparently very powerful that he could engineer to his request, to his need that the sun should stop and go backwards, then why don't you recognize, which we do in the letter, that this happened because no human being can pull that off. It's happened because it's an even greater king that caused that. So if you recognize that already, and there's a rank, and he's below that, and there's a Lahavdil, a one-star general, a five-star general, then it doesn't make any sense to write the letter and put the five-star general second. So to him, he gets high for this. There was a recognition of different powers, and the Umas Ailam were of the Avodazar. So they didn't come to the correct conclusion that there was only one power, and everything else is Ephes Kenegdoi, they just looked at it. The Jewish God is very, very powerful, so we're going to give it a rank of uh, four stars. Maybe they held their Avodazar, but still you know, equal or up there. So the letter, in terms of protocol, the letter is written wrong. And we have a very, very clear system on how to identify rank and how to be mechabed, different stations in life. There was no Ruchnias Dika content. That was all his training in a royal court. But Lamaisa, he ended up being Mahabed Hashem. <coughs> he took four steps to undo the mistake. So he gets the schayar of four deris of power on this earth. Eglon was sitting in his seat comfortably, and a Navi comes and says, Dvar Hashem Elecha. He's standing up. We're not discussing ranking and power. He's attaching himself. He's Mahabed the Dvar Hashem. It's a message for me. That means Hashem is talking to me. That already is somewhat of a relationship. One-sided, very small, but for his madrega. That already has ruchni content. So instead of giving him more dominion and more deris and more power and more money, it gets worse. Which is, thank you for the question, because it gives me a chance to bring out that point that we're already in the spell that you can have four deris of absolute world power for walking four steps. That's the level of schar that's waiting for, imagine when we do real mitzvahs, 
And here we have a difference between the same thing. He stood up, he walked four steps, you're putting yourself out in Gashmias, and the difference in Schar is four deris of power, which he did more damage with, not less, even though he did the most damage. His son was actually not as bad, and then afterwards uh, taken over, it was shared by somebody else, ultimately we built the base. It wasn't under his uh, empire anymore, but Eglon does something very similar, but there's some ruchniyastika content that he recognizes, not that there is a power, but the power is talking to me, and I actually want to identify and do something with that. That already is the difference between raw power and money, which he did nothing much with except for damage, versus Eglon, who went to Gehenim for all we know, but that's not really our concern. But I see, he had a schus of rus. They're not, in which way? The schar or the, the maizah? Because Nebuchadnezzar saw the reward. Right. That's exactly my point. Especially if you're suggesting he went south rather than... So I don't know where he went. That's why I said. We don't know that much, but it, for him to be killed and not alive is actually better for him. He wasn't... While he was alive, remember the last parak, Eglon was doing nothing but killing people and terrorizing people. Uh, so Nebuchadnezzar... Whether just destroying the base of Mikdash would have been a blotch on his record is questionable. If he doesn't do anything more, that's the whole Shiloh with the Ramam, the Ramam, with Pyro. Had he just done that without his Slavus and saying, I'm just following what Hashem wants, this is the Rats and Hashem, and I have to do the rod, okay, then there's what to discuss. But these were Shem never stopped there, and they did it to Lishma in the wrong direction with a lot of his Slavus. So uh, the fact that he ended up living longer was not a Milo. And Nebuchadnezzar Befrat, he was given a chance in between, part of his English, maybe he was living with the animals, and he got a chance to uh, recognize that he went far too far in terms of his uh, brutal treatment of Klai Yisrael, and Akash Baruch Hu Kaviyochel was sending him that message, and after he came back, um, it wasn't a uh, huge change, uh, I'm not saying there was no change, but uh, there was still... Within his uh, rishus and within his job, there were parameters of how far he was supposed to go. So I think it was, it was better for Eglon, part of his chai, that he shouldn't be here anymore. So, yeah. Immediately he got killed, that was his Right. He can't do any more damage, right. right. So I don't know where he went. Uh, there's got to be some Gehenim. There's a Gehenim for <laughs> everybody who's doing everything right. There's got to be. Uh... Anyway, so that's just with the Enlon Reisip and Astaris, yes. When he was young, when he was just a cipher, and uh, when he wrote the letter, or you're talking, you're talking many years later. Now, many years later, he did recognize the look. He was smart enough to take Daniel as his assistant, and he had pretty wild, disturbing nightmares, which he went to Daniel to interpret for him, and he did. Hence, cipher and Daniel. So, no one's saying he didn't know what was going on, but that made matters worse, not better. The fact that he used Daniel uh, to help him when he felt he needed it, and even followed his advice, which to show you, give us an idea how bad Nebuchadnezzar was. Remember, 
Daniel had a serious uh, run-in with some lions who weren't too uh, friendly. Uh, that was a result. If he asked the Vuchanetzar, right, he would say, yeah, the advisors were complaining and he's not a good guy and he wasn't loyal and they caught him whatever trumped-up charge they had. Uh, that's what's said in the papers. But Chazal tell us the reason is because he gave advice, which was good advice for Nebuchadnezzar, to spend his way out of a pending Einish and gift Stalker. And Daniel was trying to help the Yidin. These, they were poor. These are recent exiles. And he got punished pretty quickly for helping out of Russia. We're not learning Daniel now, but that needs Hezbollah. You can't give. He had a great plan. Here we have, there's no federal program. So there's no uh, food stamps and there's no... Uh, no uh, checks uh, being sent out uh, at time of uh, need for families and for and their people are hungry. So he has a great way to get Nebuchadnezzar to spend trillions of dollars on the Yidden. Why is he getting punished for that? So the answer is, whatever we have to learn from Daniel, that even though you mean Lishma, you've got to be careful helping out Rishon. You see the level of Rishus that Nebuchadnezzar was, and even though it was totally self-serving in a good way to help the Yidden, he still, so yes, he, he, he kept Daniel close, and he listened to him, and the advice was good, and he knew it was coming from the Devar Hashem, and uh, he was still Nebuchadnezzar. So, okay, when we get to Daniel, and Hashem, we'll, uh, if and when we get there, we will go into that. Okay, in front of you is a short piece from Nehli Araba. But before we start that, I want to go to the Pasuk, just so we see the context. And Perek Dalad Pasuk Aleph in Shaftim. V'yasifu b'nei Yisrael, lasos hara b'ene Hashem ve'eyod meis. Eyod ben Geira had been Shafet. Shamgar was helping him out at the end. He was very old, but Shafet for about 80 years. That's the longest running reign of a Shafet. I use reign loosely because... They weren't trying to be kings. They weren't interested in being kings. They didn't have a full status of a melech. And everything was ad hoc, depending on what was needed for Klai Yisrael. And the, we're reading it relatively quickly, parak to parak. So it looks like every time you turn around, doing averas. But most of the kufa of Shaftim, with all the disasters that happened, right for the time Klai Yisrael was doing so well, there's no mention of anything, because when we're doing perfectly or near perfect, the Pasuk just skips over it and says everything was quiet for 40 years, 80 years. That's a long time. So a few days already. And after Ehud had killed Eglon, things were very quiet for a long time, and everybody was doing what they were supposed to be doing without an official government. Can't overemphasize that point we started with in the overview. And that is, there was no police force, and they had a Sanhedrin, and they had learning going on, and people just did the right thing. If they had a Shaila, they asked a Shaila, but there was no need for an official Shafit. So uh, that lasts for a while, and then there's natural human frailties and slippage, and uh, it says over here, and Yasifa means from 80 years before that. That's a long time. And there's a new dar, second dar, third dar, and didn't remember the tzara, didn't remember the nace, and some people started slipping. Eud dies, Shamgar is only shafed for a year, he dies, and now Kashbarhu sends another enemy to wake them up. So uh, we're looking at the psukim, we're saying, wait a second, it was just last Sunday, they were doing Averas, two Sundays ago. Why don't they just remember and look back, save themselves a lot of problems? That's the equivalent of saying, uh, why don't you remember what happened right after the Civil War? Just understand how much time <laughs> elapsed in between. 
but no, the Civil War is not um, fresh in our mind. And um, either is uh, the Great Depression, I think, for most of us, all of us. So why don't we remember it? It was only uh, 70 years ago, 80 years ago. So that's just picture. I, I, I picked those dates. For, for somebody in America, you're looking at uh, a country's history. And uh, of course, nobody remembers it. Nobody remembers it. Nobody identifies with it. Klai collectively has a better memory of Averis and Shuva, but still 80 years is a long time. Now, there was a Yavin in Chatzah before. This is not the same one according to Mosma Farshim. He was named after him. And what's a little jarring for us is you see Yavin Melech Kanan. So far, we have enemies out of the country. Mayav is over the Ardain. So, okay, so Hashem sends somebody to attack from the outside, and that itself is a simon that this is not normal because Maya was an autonomous country that had no reason to attack, that he wouldn't really get much out of it. He was sort of sitting, hanging around Yerichai with his troops. Yerichai, it's Eretz Yisrael, so it's a beautiful place, but there's no reason logically nations attack other nations for natural resources. Why are they attacking? Covered natural resources. What did he gain over here? Yerichoi is a wonderful place. It's very hot. And you have palm trees. What is he doing here? So the answer is the inherent Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael, the inherent Bracha of Eretz Yisrael. It's Gavaldic, but for a guy to come in and take this and just stay there for a while, just to terrorize people, what for? So you say it's natural uh, hatred of Yidin. It, there, there is such a thing, Ace of Sandy's Yaakov, but it's only in the context to keep us awake and not assimilated. And Aladavrahu, Mayav didn't start up before, after. It wasn't a natural situation strategically for Mayav. Here, we now see somebody who is part of the Zionumas. Matter of fact, the Zionumas are named after him. If you ask anybody the Zionumas, they don't remember all seven. The Canaan, they'll remember. No, it's called Eretz Canaan. So we're wondering, wait a second, we're over a century into the conquest of Eretz Yisrael. Why is anybody from Canaan around? The answer is, this is the problem that's going to plague us for a while, is that they left little bits and pieces here and there, and you leave them long enough, they're going to regroup and get together and push back. That's not, that's the natural explanation, but it's only happening because the passage before, Yasifu B'nai Yisrael, so even if they're not in the mood to regroup and push back, they're going to do so anyway, because Akash Baruch Hu is sending them to wake Klai Yisrael up. Yeah. Sold, meaning he didn't have their different levels of control. Often the Pusik will describe that they made such inroads that they controlled every city, they controlled the highways, they, and uh, they couldn't do anything. And sometimes they controlled part of the country. Here, Yimkram is they were sold to him, which means he has an element to control. And instead of us taxing them or throwing them out or getting rid of them like we're supposed to, he now is oppressing us. It's not the entire country. And we'll see that soon. There's a certain area of the country which we'll describe and which Shvatim are going to be involved more. But Yimkara means sold, meaning like somebody sold into slavery. So it, there are different levels of slavery also. It doesn't mean that there was no autonomous life for Klai Yisrael, but it was, it was restricted and they were doing a lot of damage and it was getting dangerous and economically it was a disaster. So that balances. There were some Yidin who was still walking around, and the further south you get, there was a, they were breathing a little bit easier, but 
He lived in the north of the country. Let's put it near Haifa, since we all know what that city is. So Yimkir means they were, they were sold, meaning they're no longer their own Balabatim, so to speak. So he was in Chatzar, Satzval, Sisra, the main Russia we're going to deal with, although Yavin Melchanan wasn't any better, but his uh, Satzva is Sisra. Sisra is the uh, villain, so to speak, that's going to command the uh, fear and respect, not only in Eitz Yisrael, but worldwide. And what Yavin put together over here was they felt this time, we're not gonna, just going to fight as one nation, we're going to build an alliance, and we're going to get other Umas Eilim involved, so Amalek gets involved, Amalek always gets involved, that's uh, inbred uh, hatred. And it's not just Amalek. He gets the Umas from Eretz Yisrael, those fragments to the left from all Zion Umas, and he gets the Gaim to come and help him. So he builds up quite a coalition of what the Medjish can describe as millions of uh, fighters, millions of troops. So it's not a small thing. It's, even though I described it as uh, heavily concentrated in one area of the country, this is going to be, if, if they're not stopped, it's going to grow and grow and get worse and worse. The Nikuda over here, to stop it, is first the Tefillah and the Tshuva, and banding together and getting directions from a Shafet, in this case, unusual, a Shafetis, and then a Baruch Hu, uh, can easily reverse it, uh, which Hashem will, but that has to be done first. So we're just describing the backdrop, who the enemy over here is, and the Imkarim is a strong Russian. As Misa, they felt um, sold. They felt they didn't own themselves, their cities, their families, their, uh, their crops, which is the whole economy. Barzal then, to get the stuff out of the mines and produce it was quite a job without modern technology. Uh, somebody had one or two was already uh, a sign of strength. He had 900 Rechav Barzo, which he's going to bring to bear on the control of the Yidden and to battle. And that's 900 tanks. Uh, the Mushal people are giving is 900 Sherman tanks. I think we discussed once Sherman tanks actually were the worst tanks ever produced. Right? Uh, for some reason, uh, Sherman was, had a good PR man. Um, and they were, uh, I think we were once discussing this on the way back to Mosaic, you said the Sherman tanks were so bad that Nebuch, every time they went into battle against the Nazis, against the Panzers, uh, it took like three tanks to knock out one Panzer. And they, just the Americans came in with fresh money, tanks, everything, so they just sent so many in that as bad as they were, uh, they would ultimately win anyway, because Akash Baruch wanted them to, because the Yidden, uh, whatever was left, had to be uh, saved. But, so, Sherman tanks, there's, there's an important lesson over there anyway. How did they uh, finally get around to discontinuing, and why did they do it earlier? Because it was politics. Huh? The Sherman tanks, they ultimately replaced it. It got better a little bit, but it was... Uh, Right, right. So they threw, um, it's, a, it's a tremendous Musser, not for now, but they, it was real garbage compared to the Panzers, and they realized that pretty soon, but they kept throwing more garbage at you. think you throw enough metal at it, it'll, uh, it'll just overwhelm them. That's, there are better ways to fight battles. It shows you that despite poor planning, if a Baruch who wants the Americans to come in and end the war at a certain time, it's not going to end a minute earlier, but it's not going to be a minute later either. And all the things that could have gone wrong did go wrong, but they still got in. 
because uh, there's a timeline of Anish and Midas Adin and Hester Panim, and uh, they're called upon, but we'll call them Sherman tanks for now because I don't know the name of any other tanks, so <laughs> I'm sure you can supply me with some. Uh, well, Merkava is going to get us into uh, much more serious issues of Kechavez and Yadi. So we're Dafka avoiding the Merkava. I, I, uh, Merkava is one of those words like Hashmal that even if you don't live Meisharim, you should be up in arms about, and that's a pun, a bad one. Uh, but uh, to use the Heliga Merkavas and Mesa Merkava for a tank is the worst thing you could possibly do. Uh, I'm not blaming you, you're just saying the name. But, but that's, uh, so I studiously avoided. Uh, that one. Uh, so, why? Well, like the, the German tanks, the best ones were the Tiger tanks. Right. They were, they were the ones who would be, like, the Marshall would probably work with what they had, 900 to zero. Yeah, okay. Well, Panzers weren't, you know, the. Panzer was a general category. Aha, uh-huh. um, they had the Tiger. Okay, okay. So he, he came in, so pick your tank, just don't pick the Merkava. Uh, <laughs> pick, pick your tank, and um, he, we had, the number here is what's important. He had 900, and we had zero. It can't get worse odds than that. Zero. They had nothing. No tanks, no hardware, no, nothing. Uh, and um, that's why the Pasuk's mentioning that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends somebody to show that you're not doing the right thing, it's going to become very, very obvious because there was no standing army, because there was no standing shefet, no standing government, no standing ambience. We didn't need it, Baruch Hashem. When we didn't need it, it worked uh, amazing. But now they're really feeling... Tremendous heat. And this terrible situation went on for 20 years, and they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything from a military standpoint because it was 900 to zero. They didn't even know where to start. There was no industry to make these things in Israel, nor should there be, because in good times it's not necessary. And no standing army, and... Deep down, the Yidden understood that this is a horrible situation and either we start doing tshuva and davin or this is not going to change. So you say, so why don't they do that right away? Why do they wait 20 minutes? So the answer is, is that uh, doing tshuva is difficult. You really have to make serious change. You have to admit you're wrong and uh, all the things that go along with it. So that is the introduction to the... Very dire circumstances Klayasol finds itself in. Read one more Pusik, and um, as usual, when I give something out, I don't know if we're going to get to it now. Dalid, Dvere Isha, Nevia, Eshes, Lapidus, Hishaftis, Yisrael, Beisahi. Speaking of unusual, this is the first and last time this happens in the history of Klayasol. Doesn't take away at all from the godless of Dvere Hanavia, as will become very clear as we get into the Perik. But there are dinim. We have a din in Malchus Yisrael. The Ramah brings us down. Hilchus Malachim is a din. A din deraisa melech v'lamalka. So that's why I reminded everybody a shefet shefetes is not really a full din melech. And to quote an expression that doesn't exist, but I'll quote it with the greatest, uh, obviously covered for Devera. Uh, this is an example, however you explain this, and we're going to have different ways to explain exactly what her role is, what she was doing. But Lamaisa, she was doing the job and nobody else is doing it. So, Bamakam Shainish, whatever, whatever you want to do with the expression, no matter what Mahalach you say over here, right? You can't take away from the incredible Hatzlacha uh, that Deverin Avi is going to have and the Tzitkus uh, that it took to become. 
the Shofetes and to become an Aviyah. I'll remind you that to even enter into the Havimina of Nevius, now there were Nevium schools, but you couldn't enroll unless you first went through the entire Messias Hashem, and more importantly, we can all go through Messias Hashem. Messias Hashem went through you. That's the difference. And you had to climb the ladder. It's a lifetime of work. And you had to go for, with Zahiris and Hasidus and everything. And then you first had a Havamina of learning a little technique and what Nevuah might mean. And then Kula Haivu Lai. And she wasn't the only female that was a Nevia. Not a very long list, but she's the most famous. Sorry, Menu. <laughs> and that means that it's assumed that the that she reached the Madrega and her Tzitkis and Avedis Hashem of the entire Basilis Hasharim before she even became an Avia. And that's before she became a Shafet. Is that? In Nevius, she was. Right, but I'm saying, but you can't even enter. We think Nevius is, oh, you get an wake up one morning, you don't wake up, or you, yeah, as you're sleeping, you get an Avia. That doesn't happen by Bilam, and it happened despite the fact he was a Russia. That, that was the exception that has to be explained. Everybody else, you have to, we're talking about somebody from the uh, Sadiqim of the Durham, she's a Sadiqis, uh, but we're talking about, if she's in Avia already, that tells you where she was holding in Ruchnius. That's the. But that's, that's something we have to keep in mind throughout. And then the question is, what was the rest of the Dara doing? So if you can give back your Elia Rabbis, we'll get to it next week and take out your Peleyayats. We'd like to see it for a few minutes. And yeah. Well, Sarah's was. Yeah. Uh, well, the problem is, which we're going to discuss, is where was Pinchas? Pinchas is always a good question, whatever parak you learn, because he lived for a long, long time. So um, if you remind me, we'll get back to that. But yes, she was up there, top one, top two. Shaila was, uh, why wasn't Pinchas the Shefid? Okay, let's turn to Dafnun Ches in the second half of the Sefer. We discussed in the last few weeks the Yani Machshava. Machshava is a Kedusha. How to stay away from Tuma. i moving to the next subject because the uh, rest of the shtickel, which runs for another few pages, you should see on your own time, but some of it is not fit for the video and the public consumption. So we're going to go on to the next one. Maybe we'll go back to part of that on Shabbos when there's no recording, or at least I keep thinking there's no recording. Uh, somebody keeps warning me that he's not so sure. But, uh, <laughs> It's not just not just Alzheimer's Navua. Pinchas was he had the Messira. Uh, he's been and he saved Klaus all time and time again. So why uh, if you're looking Malcolm Shainish, you're looking for somebody to fill the job. So what happened to Pinchas? Wouldn't they have been an obvious choice? He would have been the forever. Ah, nobody lives forever, and so what's so bad? That's very good. He has a lot of experience, a lot of Sitkus, knows how to get things done very quickly. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay, so Masa Matam, interesting, the introduction to Devaira, which we just started developing. Uh, she was a Shafetis. Besides uh, saving Klaisel and going to war and knowing when to go to war and to throw off the enemy, you have to dan dinim on a day to day basis, which she did, Tachas, Tamer, Devaira. Dinim are not just Yaliyeva Shailas, they're real dinim, Chesha Mishpat Shailas. About all the people who are competing and all the people are going to the Chavaz Yar asking about how to make deals and how, what's Asmachta and what's not and uh, who stole whose customer. So she's doing that also, which makes the Sugya 
Uh, we're going to discuss next week even more complicated, but right now, nothing's a coincidence. Masa Matan. So this little shtickle, he goes b- back to this under many headings. So on page Nun Ches, Masa Matan, Yadua, Shashayla Vishayna Shashaylim Liyem Hadin. So they asked lots of Shaylas Liyem Hadin. There was uh, once a very popular t-shirt that uh, said the message for kids, did you study for your ohis? I told you about that. First time I saw it, what are ohis? Ohis. So, so he says, you don't know what ohis are? You better know what ohis are. You've got to study. It's Olam Haba entrance exams. So that's an interesting one. So what do you need to study for? We don't need to study. You just need to do tag mitzvahs, learn all the time, and uh, have good machshavas, and then do tshuva a lot. And after all that, so tshuva ma'ava turns things into mitzvahs, uh, and the tshuva ma'ira just erases them, which is also good. And after all that, you wonder, so what's on the ohis? How can you have any questions? I did tshuva. The answer is, well, it depends when a person leaves. If he leaves Matsyam Kippur and Acharami, it depends <laughs> if he covered everything. But there are things on the record, and before they, whoever's uh, the tribunal in Shamayim, Akash Baruch is in charge, but whatever the base in Shamayla is, they're going to go, what we would say, go to a, a long videotape and go one by one. There are going to be things in the middle that are erased and things that are mitzvahs you never knew you did. And then all the Lashon Har people spoke about you and you got their mitzvahs, however that works. And it's going to be um, hopefully positive uh, viewing. But before all that, the Gemara says there are three or four questions they ask you that are basic. And here, Peliyad says that uh, one of the first things they ask, Anasata Vanasata Ba'amuna, did you do business honestly? So, Zashayla is Tamatera first, that's Kanegat Kulam, or is business first, and then there's a Sakta Bapuavu, did you try? You can have 25 boys, 25 girls, did you try? And did you have the Machshava at least, and the real Cheshek for wanting the Gula, which is a difficult one for us, even though we dive in three times a day and it's all over Shemana Esrei. So Lamaisa. I think we mentioned in Shir before, there's a stira, Tesis as a stira, because Masahedrin, Gemara, and Shabbos is the number one question, Tamatera, the number one question, Nasata Bamuna. So Tesis says, Achillik depends if he's Tarasa or Nasai, what's his main job in life, is the business on the side, or his main thing is the business, he's only learning nine hours a day, like the Ramam Balabas. So there's uh, another Mahalach that uh, many Taina that you can't even figure out how much time you had to learn and how much you had to be flagged on, so to speak, for Bittal Teira unless you find out how much time you had to be spending working. And if you weren't working honestly, what you thought was the three hours you were spending in the office was illegal because you weren't doing it honestly. So first you have to ask, Nasate Be'amuna, and if the answer is yes, wonderful. If the answer is no, then these three hours are not only business you shouldn't have been doing, it's also Bittal Teira. So we have to first ask the first question before we get to the Talmud Teira. How much time did you have in the first place? The focus over here is it's obviously the number one and number two and it's a very important question. Many people have many, many excuses. What's their excuse? It sounds like the Tshuva Shavaz we were discussing yesterday. People say it's very shreya to make a panasa, and you have to understand it used to be easier. I'm not sure, this is an old time now, I'm not sure when it used to be easier. If anything, probably used to be harder, it's still not easy today. 
if they're talking about the kufas, one kufa I know of, it was very easy, and that was Adam Rishon and Gan Eden, when you pulled fruit off the tree. And even then it wasn't so easy, because you had to pull the right fruit off the right tree. And if not, you'd get in serious trouble and get thrown out. So I'm not sure exactly when it was easy. Um, but the time is, it's very, and there were kufas, it was more difficult. Don't forget, this is in Europe, Peleyed, that's right. If you lived in Europe a couple hundred years ago, it was difficult. So the time is, yeah, it's not so perfect and a little bit shady, but got to make a panasa and it's not so easy and we have no other way of doing it. Otherwise, you can't even buy pumpernickel bread. Today, pumpernickel is probably more expensive, but it used to be when I grew up, black bread was black bread. So people are married heter, lasas avla, Mama sounds like yesterday's year. And then sometimes within the Chabru, within the guild, they want to make deals that we're all Michael ahead of time. That was an allusion to what we just said. And now you're overworking, and if you're working and you're stealing, you have no head in the first place. It's Bittel Teira, Utfilas, Vitsiber, Vachil Shabbos, Ukadaima. Chil Shabbos, lest we forget. Nowadays, Baruch Hashem, for Panasa, most people don't have the Nisayan because we have a five-day work week, and the way it's going, it's becoming four, three, two. So we don't have that Nisayan. But not long ago, up to through uh, 1950s probably, they, they changed the laws. It used to be a six-day work week, and the day off was not Saturday. That was a real Nisayan for people, which most people, we're not judging anybody, most good people, good Yidin who want to do better, didn't pass for flying colors. Hard for us to imagine. You tell this to your kids. What? In America? Or say, in America? Why would somebody, there's so much money. Why don't they just exist on their savings? Break into their IRA. What's the problem? So that's total lack of idea of, of history. It's a big new science. Apparently uh, in Europe, um, it was somewhat of an issue also. And the Amuna is something you acquire over a lifetime of work. And it boils down to are you going to be to understand Hashem is not going to, Rahman is not letting be starved because they're keeping Shabbos, because they're keeping Hashem Ishpat. Or davening, like a mensch. Ki amaymin ba'ashem, ki anesin ke'er lasas chayel, shakol mezayin esel shal adam katsuvan lomir ha'shashon me'pia elyon. So if that's true, and you, it's a difficult avod, and you internalize that, lo yu'umin sh'ayidei avra pi'ashem yatzliach hazdrochav. Can't be if you're trampling rachmal aslan on alocha, you're going to have more success, and it can't be if you're keeping it, you're going to have less success. And Mitzvah Shem, we're going to continue with that theme next week. We have the shir upstairs. Tomorrow night at 8.50 p.m.